Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I am doing fantastic today, Tim. We have a real son of a bitch that we're going to be discussing today. Yeah. And I don't typically use that terminology right off the top of an episode. So apologies for anyone who wasn't expecting a bit of vulgarity right in the beginning. Today we're talking about the Mexican serial killer Fernando Hernandez Leva. And we first spoke about this person in episode 376 with Nick Amell in an episode titled The Top 10 Deadliest Serial Killers in North America. He made the list, Lance, because he's got up to 137 victims. And shockingly enough, there's not a whole lot of information that you can find on this individual that gives you anything really new. Uh, For someone this prolific, I do understand that this was in another country. This was in Mexico. But still, I mean, if you have anybody anywhere talking about 137 murders, 137 homicides, like that is pretty significant, regardless of where you're active as a serial killer. And you have very little media attention. Yeah, good points. I agree. It's strange, I guess, partially because he was last arrested in 1999. Maybe that has something to do with the lack of media interest. Maybe also the language barrier because he was a Spanish-speaking person in Mexico. And of course, we speak English. But, you know, we did translate a couple of uh, Spanish articles into English for additional info. And yeah, you're right. It just stops at some point. And there are there is some conflicting information. But this is one of the reasons we wanted to dive into this uh, person because, well, it, we hadn't heard of him. And that sounded like an astonishing number, 137. And this research was compiled for us by Bumika Sharma. So big thanks to Bumika. We recently had Dr. David Perlmutter on, who is a dean of the College and Media and Communications at Texas Tech University. We had him on because he is really fascinated with and we kind of pick each other's brains on how the media covers crime. So in addition to discussing the serial killer with Nick Amell, it kind of fell into the conversation that we've recently had with David Perlmutter. How how is it that this individual hasn't been discussed more and how have we not had his name in the media and just tried to like learn from his crimes? Not only that, where are his victims? Yeah, you're making great points. We couldn't find a single name of a victim of his. Um, So, all right, we're going to get into it a little bit deeper. But first, I want to tell you about Crawl Space Premium. We get you early releases, ad-free episodes, and our weekly bonus show, which everybody loves. And it's now available on Apple Podcasts. But if you're not an Apple user, you can go to crawlspace.supportingcast.fm and sign up for Crawl Space Premium there. And it's bundled, Lance. It's not only bundled with Missing, which you just mentioned uh, that we had David Perlmutter on on Missing recently, but it's It's also bundled with Dark Valley. Dark Valley, our new show that has been produced in-house here by the one and only Jennifer Amell. You can get every episode of that without the ads. First half of the season is there now. Second half of the season should be out by the time this episode has hit your ears. Amazing show and even better when you can binge it. Okay, everyone, please follow us on social media at Crawl Space Podcast or Crawl Space Pod. We're going to take a quick break here and we'll be right back to discuss Fernando Hernandez Leva.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Lance, Fernando Hernandez Leva was born on November 30th, 1964. He was born in Cornavaca, Morelos, Mexico. He's also been known to go by the name of Pancho Lopez. He's currently serving 50 years imprisonment. He, as we mentioned at the top of this episode, has anywhere from 33 to 137 victims of the serial killing. He's also kidnapped six victims. And these crimes span from 1982 to 1999. And while we said that the victims span from 33 to 137, as time passes and the investigations continue, surprisingly enough, shockingly enough, the number continues to escalate. And Lance, Cuernavaca, Mexico, is nestled about 35 miles south of Mexico City. And this is kind of an unassuming town to uh, become the breeding ground for one of Mexico's most elusive and prolific serial killers. And it's been reported that Leva started his murder spree at the age of 17 in 1982. And again, a lot of this is approximate or... We're reporting on what's previously been reported, but there aren't a lot of ironclad sources here. And really, just another shout out to uh, Bumika, who did the research, as you mentioned, for pulling together the information and presenting it to us as she did without all of this media fanfare that you'd, again, typically expect with somebody who is this prolific. So someone who is 17 or 18 years old and their span of killing was the course of 17 years, that averages to like one person a month that he's killed and gotten away with successfully. Yeah, it's absolutely staggering. We'll definitely question those numbers, but uh, we'll do that a little bit later. And so in 1982, he was apprehended and taken into custody and subsequently convicted for charges related to robbery, which led to his imprisonment. And in the most cliche fashion of escaping from prison, he tunnels through a jailhouse wall. And in the years after Leva escaped, police in four different Mexican states had sought the man they knew only as Pancho Lopez in connection with around 38 slayings and dozens of violent assaults and kidnappings. Now, why was he called Pancho Lopez? Well, Carlos Villa Vicencio, an assistant attorney general in Morales, says Hernandez Leva used the alias Pancho Lopez in an attempt to imitate Francisco Pancho Villa, a general in the 1910-1917 Mexican Revolution who was known for his brutality. Yeah, and I guess heroism, too, because I think that's one reason why Leva went by Pancho was because he saw himself as heroic. Well, that has to be some sort of defense mechanism. We hear this a little bit when we talk about serial killers, that there's like this compensation for something that they're obviously lacking. There's a void. So I would imagine, right? Like that sounds like it could be the case. You want to like over 
state your heroism as a way to maybe fill that thing that, you know, that that empathy that's not there. Yeah, he certainly lacked empathy. Yeah, I think he thought it was heroic to murder people, to kidnap, to rob, and to murder. Right. That was how he saw himself, yeah. Right. So you have to, what, replace it being a psychotic act with it being a, a heroic act. Interesting. Yeah, he may have saw himself as a, as a little bit of a Robin Hood because he started um, with robberies. That that was how he initially got arrested back in 82 for charges related to robberies and then kidnapping, assaults. And I think the kidnapping were because of the robberies in large part. But then at some point, he apparently graduated to uh, murdering those um, victims of theft, I guess. But probably victims beyond just the theft, too. Yeah. And this is a really good thought experiment for the listeners and for us as well, not being licensed psychologists. I wonder if someone like that always knows, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, that they will escalate to murder if he started off as this like heroic robin hood character robbing whomever does it cross his mind that this is something that's going to escalate to murder that this is just a a step to the next thing my opinion is probably not um i don't think he's he's thinking too much about himself like that but that's just my opinion i don't know it's an interesting thing to roll around so it is yeah i, I put that on the listeners to consider and in 1986, Leva was captured and arrested again. And this time he was charged with murder, charged with 33 counts of murder. But he apparently confessed to over 100 during the interrogation. And he mentioned that he had help from three different accomplices. I mean, this is something that was kind of new to us when we had Michael Arnfield on a few months ago, where there was a staggering percentage of serial killers who have accomplices what was the number on that it was close to 40 percent close to 40 percent and this is from episode 334 of crawl space called murder cities michael arntfield approximately somewhere between three and four in ten during at least one of their crimes have a direct accessory whether it be a lure to, to uh, you know dry in children or, or other women someone who helps them to dispose of the body or someone who partakes in the actual crime not necessarily the, the primary crime scene or the abduction it's a bit unnerving to think about those statistics well it is and the question is how do these people find each other the toolbox killers, I mean, there's an example of, of two sadistic sexual psychopaths who happen to meet in, in prison. It's just bad fate, I guess, because ultimately their, their decision then is once they both get out, they're going to reconnect on the outside. You have to ask yourself now in a digital age, how much easier is it for these people to connect? And apparently Leva appeared at a news conference, which sounds bizarre to me, and I could not find this news conference but he apparently told reporters that he committed about 100 homicides and six kidnappings. He said, quote, I killed them because I had to. I don't know how to do anything else, end quote. I mean, you can really take that statement and pick it apart. You could go like straight literal with that. He has no other formal education and he's really good at this. So this is what he has to do. I kind of think that's what he means. I think yeah. he means like he doesn't have uh, skills to work maybe. Um, so he's going to rob people. And in the robbing, in the process of robbing people, he killed a lot of people, dozens of people at least. And in the way where like somebody does their job well, 
and you feel a sense of accomplishment you know if you've done your job well and you're proud of it you feel a sense of accomplishment i wonder if that was the case with him or if there wasn't any feeling at all after the murder was perpetrated yeah great question um i don't know it it doesn't seem like he had a long cool down period or any cool down period (laughs) yeah but it does kind of feel like he he was at least partially motivated by the theft you know robbing people i guess for what he needed i don't know The way this information has come to us has been a little bit challenging to piece together because I think during the time, and especially with the Mexican press, you didn't get a lot of solid translation from the sources. So, for example, one story was that in 86, after he was convicted of 33 murders, he was somehow released. And that's what people thought until he was finally arrested in 1999 that's when the real story came to light. He wasn't released. He, in fact, escaped a second time. I know Canadian serial killer Alan Legere had escaped prison in 1989 and went on to murder more people. But I think just Ted Bundy and Naleva that I'm aware of that escaped twice. How in the world does that happen after the first escape? But what's wild to me is from 1986 or around that area, till when he was arrested again in March of 1999, that he was just off the grid. There's nothing, nothing about what he was doing during that time. So based on his own words, like he doesn't know what else he could do. So if we're talking about that 137 number being real, I would have to say that he was very active during that time period. He would have had to have been. Exactly, because that's 13 years between 86 and 99. He's essentially honed his craft to the point where he can kill somebody, move on, and these victims don't even ha- still don't even have a name. They don't make the news. I mean, he's essentially a ghost performing these like heinous acts all over the country. Yeah, and his reign of terror extended across five Mexican states. Morelos, Jalisco, Colima, Guanajuato, and Michoacan. So that 137 victims made him the most prolific serial killer in Mexico, which is a title that he still owns to this date. And I don't really use the word title as a way to say that this was some sort of amazing accomplishment. It's simply to say that no one else has been charged with more than 137 murders. And I think the 137 comes from him being charged for 33 initially, and then him saying that he probably killed about 100 more. So that gets you to about 133. And then uh, I guess apparently Mexican authorities were suspecting him for murders, and that's why that number went up is my understanding of how we got to 137. But again, I can't find a single victim's name out there. It kind of makes you wonder whether or not the Mexican authorities had a really good suspect for 33 murders and then figured out, hey, we got a bunch of other unsolved murders. So maybe maybe he's actually uh, more in the realm of 137, 138. Oh, the more we look into this, the number seems to be going up and up and up. I just wonder if he's become a convenient patsy for the Mexican authorities. Yeah, I think that's definitely possible. And he may have been um, the perpetrator of some of those unsolved murderers um, in Mexico as well. And you think that having someone this dangerous in custody 
in captivity would be of benefit to I don't know educating the public on someone like this but no no media nothing no information was made available to the public apparently no but apparently an angry mob actually at one point wanted to lynch Leva apparently about 50 uh people townspeople went there because they they had thought initially that he was let out but then it was learned again as you noted that he escaped so that's kind of a a wild moment to um picture folks want literally wanting to lynch him i hope you die for killing my parents god is going to force you to listen to his voice forever and that's what protester nancy flores montiel yelled at leva we want to lynch him joel uribe landa told the associated press he was one of 50 people near the morales state attorney general's office where security agents took leva to be questioned before transferring him to jail uribe affirmed that he had assassinated his brother and his cousin and when leva was arrested for the final time the police actually followed him into an affluent neighborhood in guadalajara after he had stolen a truck and then apparently Leva barricaded himself inside a house and asked for the intervention of the media, especially that of reporter Carlos Cabello Wallace from Televisa, who served as a witness to the negotiations. And amazingly, there's also a video of this on YouTube, and we have the link to the full video in the show notes, which is long. It's about three hours, and it's obviously all in Spanish, but we wanted to give a little sampling of it here. What we gather is that Leva took several of the residents of this house hostage as he tried to find a way out of the situation. ¿Cuál es la situación en el interior, Carlos? Bueno, aquí están unas criaturas su sumamente espantados. Está una señora anciana. Sí. Bueno. Espérense, ahí. And after seven hours of this standoff, Leva took a vehicle and tried to escape with the journalist. But apparently his plans were interrupted by police and he was finally apprehended. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. And Leva actually sort of recanted his confessions. He said, quote, the declarations I made earlier about my participation in at least 100 murders was due to the conditions I was in handcuffed and surrounded by police who intimidated me, end quote. He did not, though, recant charges of kidnapping of a journalist and the murder of a police officer. But other than that, he claimed that he was innocent of most charges that were brought to him. <laughs> most. Yeah, most charges that were brought to him because the police apparently intimidated him. And that was the quote that you just read. In addition to that, he's also accused judicial police of beating him and threatening to sexually assault his wife and take away his children. I mean, this is the more you look into it, opening up into something that is less about, oh, the most prolific serial killer in Mexico. Maybe this person is a psychopath, but maybe he was also a bit used by the authorities at the time. Yeah, but I mean, if he's confessing to killing a police officer, yeah, th this guy just seems like a total uh, psychopath to me and uh, someone who's lying now. 
I don't know where his true victim count lies. I would imagine if they actually charged him for 33 murders that they would have had victims, you know, known victims. But to make that jump for over 100 more, you know, without without knowing any victims. I mean, again, this there's a real lack of, I don't know if it's journalism or just like media, it's just release of information on who these victims were. It seems like that's too high of a number to actually get to. But again, if he was really free for 13 years, this is a dangerous guy. I don't know. I mean, as we've seen with previous conversations we've had with experts, including the great writer, Jillian Lauren, who came on to talk about her experience with Sam Little, who is the most prolific American serial killer. And he had figured out a way to abduct, kill, and dispose of, not even like in a neat manner, people who wouldn't be immediately identified, if identified at all, or immediately missed when they were kidnapped, when they were subsequently murdered. A lot of people didn't even realize that these people had been murdered. And he knew that this was the way that he could do it. He could cross state lines. He could target these marginalized individuals. And the consequences would be very far in the review mirror for him. And I'm wondering, like, it's this clearly is the same thing with this guy if we're up to that amount of killing. Yeah, that, those are great points. There are a lot of real parallels here between Sam Little and uh, Leva, for sure, traveling between five different states here in uh, in Mexico. Yeah, and then even with the confessions, right? We're not 100% sure how many victims Sam Little has. Um, there's a certain number of confessions and then a lesser number of confirmed victims. So I would have to imagine that's kind of the same thing here, but... There's, it doesn't seem like there's really anyone working on the confirmed victims at this point. Certainly doesn't. It certainly does not. And I'm wondering what his motivation was when on April 12th, he attempted to hang himself in his jail cell. He's 300 pounds at the time. He had a makeshift rope and it broke and he suffered some abrasions on his neck. And I'm kind of laughing not to make light of this moment, but it seems like a pretty ill plotted suicide attempt if you're trying to hang yourself with a makeshift rope and you're and you know how heavy you are so i'm wondering is this a way that maybe he was hoping to get transferred maybe escape after the suicide or did he really want to try to kill himself i'm sure the conditions in that prison weren't great and if he knew he was never going to be able to get out i don't know and so yeah he was charged in 99 for the murder of that police officer so that was a 30-year sentence that he was given then so he's basically looking at his life in prison unless he can escape again but now i imagine he he weighs more he's older he's bigger um so that might be out the window and there was a psychological exam done um of leva and uh, he was considered a psychopath because he killed for personal satisfaction and that's that's basically what he said, I guess. And he showed intelligence in an absence of fear, nervousness, remorse, or shame. So says the psychological examiner. So this raises the question about the death penalty in Mexico because the scope of Leva's crimes ignited a contentious debate in his hometown of Cuernavaca, where many of his victims once lived. 
So we are not entirely familiar with the Constitution of the United Mexican States, but from Article 22, Section 4, it states the death penalty remains prohibited for political crimes and for other crimes. It may also be imposed for treason to the nation in a foreign war, for parricide, for homicide with treachery, premeditation or unfair advantage, for arson, abduction, highway robbery, piracy, or serious criminal offenses against military order. So it sounds like he would be up for the death penalty or could be. I don't think they like to use it. But instead, it seems like he's serving a 50-year prison term set to be released in 2049. So you can see where the contention would be in his hometown, where it essentially states right here someone like him should be eligible for the death penalty and not that he might actually be released from prison while he's alive. Yeah, he'd be 85, so he'd be up there, but... Um, still, by his own words, he doesn't know what else to do, how else to do anything else. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like you can't let him out. Well, Tim, you mentioned that he's set to be released in 2049 at the age of 85, but that does carry the possibility of reduced time for good behavior. What do you think the odds are that he's actually released early because of good behavior? I mean, I would hope 0% chance I would also hope a hundred percent chance that he perishes uh, before he is ever released. Um, I know that might sound mean from me, but if this guy's really clearly guilty of at least thirty-four, don't let him out. Do not let this guy out. Twenty forty-nine, twenty-one forty-nine. Don't let him out. And again, there was very very limited information for whatever reason on this individual. So part of my thinking in Putting this episode together is to maybe gather more information that's out there that we just didn't find. And Bomika, when she was researching, didn't find it. If anyone has any insight, please shoot us a message if you have insight on this or insight on the death penalty in Mexico. It's like coming across the details and then having something that kind of, but not 100%, contradicts it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, there's contention about the death penalty, and then uh, from the Constitution of the United Mexican States essentially says he should be executed. So that's one example of the information that's out there that sort of has a contradictory element to it when you look a little bit deeper. So, yeah, we welcome any conversation on this. Yeah, and there, there is a lot of conflicting information with dates, um, numbers, uh, things like that. And there was actually, th there were several sources that stated that there was no information on his childhood. Scant details out there about Mexican serial killer Fernando Hernandez Leva. But we hope you learned something here, and thanks a lot for listening. <laughs>